Hi and welcome to the second series of Sales TV. Uh, welcome to 2024, I think we can still say that. Um, I hope you've had a great start to the year in whatever role you may be in sales. Um, and what I would like to do is just say thank you for your support in series one in 2023. It was great to be on the journey with you. Uh, we've got a really fun packed series coming up with lots of different formats podcasts that will be coming out and pre-recorded shows, but we're always going to have those two live ones on a Tuesday, one here at Cranfield and then one over in Boston uh, to cover the rest of the globe in the afternoon. Um, uh, I'm on my own today. Uh, it's, it's nothing that I've done. Uh, unfortunately, Adam has a, a family emergency to, to deal with, so we give him our best. And, and Alex, has, well, we've got to be honest, Alex has uh, been asked never to come back to site after stealing the biro pens. So he's <laughs> online. Uh, and we're joined by a fantastic guest who I've known for ages. Uh, and I've done lots of digital things with her, uh, a lovely lady called Helga Stewart. Um, so if we could bring the guests in, um, please, that would be great. Um, but I only recently met Helga in uh, London uh, physically. It was one of those odd scenarios of having met people for five years online. She found out I actually had legs and I have the added benefit, don't I, Helga, of being able to change light bulbs without a stepladder. So quite handy domestically. Um, and now... You know, and aren't they good? I've lost weight, if you've noticed, because uh, it, yeah. it was quite paunchy last year in Series so. 1. Um, so um, we do have a challenge, though, because Helga is known for being quite introvert, not high on the emotion and not high on the energy levels. So we'll see how it goes, and if we need to step in and kind of give it an extra bit of a lift, we will do. But with, with that said, Helga, um, please can you introduce yourself, and, and, and you know, then we'll come and dive into the, the topic of passion. Hi everyone, hello Soul Shakers out there. I'm Helga Saliva Stewart. I am founder of Lead Results um, and Soul Shaker, which is the biggest, the largest event in the Lusophone, the Portuguese community, um, talking about the innovation and the future in B2B selling. I am an academic director at Nova. Um, university executive education, one of the best executive educations in the world, according to the FT. I think we're number 22 at the moment in the world. I mentor startups and I do, um, I empower, uh, I do a lot of work with social, with projects with social impact with, with a company called Capacitat. Uh, and I am, of course, a founding fellow at the ISP, which I'm incredibly proud about and ethical fellow. And ethical, <laughs> and and actually a board member of the the newly formed am, ISP I now. Am. Yeah, Four well, years yeah, ahead. Very Ex excited indeed. So, so when we talked in London about actually, you know, your passion, it, you know, it, it absolutely about helping people. You mentioned four things that you do there, and the common theme through all of them is actually helping people be a better version of themselves, helping people go from one place to another and actually have a, a great outcome, great economic outcome, great professional outcome. Why are you so passionate about this? What, what really lights that as a fire for you? Sales is something that I've been doing um, from very early on. Um, it's been my career for about 24 years. And, and one of my earlier experiences in sales, when I, when I was working for a company uh, called Bloomberg, 
was the impact of what I did had on someone. And that really marked me um, tremendously because what I was, I, I started to understand that I could be talking about a product or a service, or I could be talking about how that person's life mm -hmm. could be improved with what I did, with what I had, with the insights that I delivered. And so that was very powerful and it marked me ever since. Selling is really about helping your customer to win and delivering value all the way through. But the, the, the crux of it is how is it that you're different or unique to everybody else? And so you have to really dig really deep in this kind of profession and really understand and embrace your faults, your vulnerabilities, your strengths, your differences, what makes you unique. And that's a good thing for anyone. So it gave me life skills. And that's why I really, really am passionate about sales. It should be for everyone, absolutely everyone. I, I love what you're talking about there. I was, I was talking to a lovely lady I met, Sarah, Sarah Clayton-Jones, who, who runs something called uh, Read to Lead. Um, and it's fascinating that she's worked with Dan Pink and obviously he's, his major book was To Sell is Human. You know, and, and any of us with kids know that, the, boy oh boy, we get out negotiated by our children on a fairly regular basis. So it is ingrained in everything that we do. Um, and and I, I really like the point that you raised there around you know, the differentiation. So you know, I, I love Neil Rackham. I've known him for a long, long time. Uh, and he talked about and has always talked about that there's 19 salespeople that will sell you a ladder when you're in a hole really what people want is that one person that's going to come along and say, well, there's a hole over there and I'm going to help you avoid it. And I think that that has been lost a little bit from the times that when you and I started and Alex started selling more to be this rote product push of, you know, here's the product, just get out there and repeat, 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 as opposed to that, that lovely natural inquiry that you were talking about. Yeah, but unfortunately, I think the reality is, is that most people still live in the product centric world. That's where they live still. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, Alex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, um, I, I do have the pen. I, I, I'm willing to give it back if you let me back in the studio. Well, we'll um, have to let Chris, Toby, Marco and Rob think about that. It's a vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. S sell me this pen, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what are my thoughts? Yeah, no, I think um, to the point Helga just uh, mentioned about uh, we're still product centric as much as uh, sales leaders, uh, you know, product marketing teams try really hard to be buyer centric um, in their approach at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think it's lazy salespeople or that's where my mind's going. You know, we we. We certainly find, I certainly find that um, it's it's all too easy to fall back to talking about features and functions rather than outcomes and value. And I think value selling is a term that's often overused. And if I think back to you know some of my years, some of my best years in sales where I enjoyed selling the most, it was when. I worked for an organization that, that really understood their value proposition and the differentiating value that they delivered to customers. And they kind of built this, this excitement, this um, 
camaraderie between employees, customers, partners, everybody was kind of getting around this idea of this this value. And, uh, and we had this language, this narrative that everybody kind of understood, whether you were in marketing, sales, customer success or support. And um, I think that made it easier to portray, to articulate that value message and be more buyer centric. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 uh, it helped in a, in, in a sense that, that, you know, our solution was 40% more expensive than the competition. So we, we had to, to communicate value effectively. Um, but then, you know, then it, you know, then I think about the pressure that we're under as salespeople. And, and that often that negative pressure that kind of, you know, forces salespeople down that rabbit hole of desperation. Well, I just need to sell this product and I need to generate pipelines. So I'm not going to waste my time talking about all this other stuff. I'm just going to get straight to it. Yeah, I, th I think that's, that's, you know, a really good summary of it. Um, Helga, I want to switch back to you. Um, you know, in a corporate world, you know, how important actually is social mobility? I mean, I know some leaders think it is, but how is, how is it important? And, and what do you see the impacts for recruiting and retaining talent? So when, so let's just get, <clears throat> so let's just get this concept of social mobility out of the way so that we're all on the same page. Because mm -hmm. when I think about social mobility, I'm thinking about where individuals starting life and where they end up as adults, okay? And so if we are bringing this subject back into sales, wouldn't it be amazing if sales was one of those areas that can actually help to sh uh, a society uh, or shape a society to giving everyone uh, a fair chance? And so, you know, this, this starts to, with, with this being kind of setting the tone, then we start to think about you know, all of these individuals who, in all of the differences in social class, which are really dictating who gets opportunities, you know, because nirvana doesn't exist, you know, the perfect society doesn't exist where every single individual has got a, a, a shot at it. Now, you mentioned earlier about um, uh, sales being an area that has low barriers to entry. And yes, that's a great thing. Um, but also, we need to understand that professionals that work in this area, they do need to have a certain profile and certain competences, uh, certain skills and certain behaviors. There has to be standards of excellence across uh, this profession. And this is not something that I believe it's um, correlated to a person's wealth but it is related to a person's access to education. And so this access to education, to personal development, to professional development, and I am talking about hard skills and soft skills here, both of them are equally important. Um, but if we start to um, uh, look at what individuals in our society have access to this kind of education. And now we have to throw into this basket of skills, digital skills as well, then we start to see a hell of a lot of disparities and companies and corporate companies still not getting right in, in valuing enough their, um, 
diversity, equity, and inclusion policies in order to attract these individuals into these into these departments, the commercial departments. So there is a, a huge opportunity here for companies to really set the stage and drop some of the barriers that they have because barriers of entry are not just, you know, give me your CV. A person with a social, with a low social economic background might not even have a CV. You know, it's very easy to um, forget or to not even know or realize what kind of conditions people with lower social economic backgrounds have. That is an issue. So what are corporate companies doing to overcome those, uh, those barriers that really allow people that, for example, don't have degrees necessarily coming into this profession or any profession? I, I think that's a, a, great, uh, a great segue to a degree into things like apprenticeships, which I, I don't know about the Portuguese or the Brazilian markets. Um, but in the UK, clearly, there, there is an apprenticeship kind of framework that now encourages employers to go straight to school and, and attract young people into professions. And, you know, I think it's great that now institutions uh, like you know, Middlesex University, but Cranfield University as well, uh, Milton Keynes University, if you go to the US, lots and lots of universities teaching sales to, you know, undergraduate level. and. I think with the ability back to the UK to bring people into the workplace and use that apprenticeship levy, but put them through education in sales, why they are learning and why they're also earning means that they are not getting student debt, means that they are straight away going into life at a different rung of the ladder. And, and actually bringing a very, as you say, different diverse way of looking at some of the sales problems than some of the more established, dare I say, slightly more tarded and cynical salespeople that they have. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think so that's really important. On, on that topic of apprenticeships, I've, I've got a recent experience there, and to, to Helga's point about vulnerability in sales, uh, I, d I don't mind admitting this, but you know, when I, when I got into, well, when I left school at 16, I became a car mechanic, an apprentice car mechanic, I got into sales a few years later, um, but recently I've been looking into the level seven, uh, 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 you know, kind of the step towards the masters and doing doing a government backed apprenticeship. Um, but I found that I needed my GCSE maths and English, you know, C and above, which I didn't have when I left school at 16. So that presented another hurdle for me. It's potentially a hurdle I could step over, but I'm all very, I'm already very busy in my in my job. So, is that just something that you get at level seven with an apprenticeship, or is that throughout the different levels of apprenticeships that you might do in sales? Uh, I think it's very much towards the higher levels. There are there are a requirement. There is a requirement to have maths and English to certain levels for all apprenticeships to ensure that are fundamentally that the individual is going to benefit from the learning. If, if they can't actually, because it's all taught in English, they can't actually understand the language, then there's going to be a barrier there. However, that's part of you know, one of the great relationships and things that you know, Helga's taking you on board to do, which is how, how do we globalise this opportunity and put learning out there 
to people around the world and remove those barriers that it doesn't necessarily have to be an apprenticeship. It can be you know, a qualification uh, and it can be accessed, as Helga said, digitally. And that's, you know, as, as a board member in the, in the ISP, Helga's passion, I know she'll hold the board and the institute accountable to it. But I, mm. I want to kind of switch back and come into, you know, you mentioned about barriers and inequalities. You know, what are the kind of challenges that you see that, that may exist that would create those inequalities and discrimination access to an individual being able to improve their social mobility? So you, you mentioned, uh, and I applaud those institutions and those entities who are really trying to move the needle on this, and you mentioned a few names here, and they're amazing. Um, we cannot forget that individuals with sort of lower social, um, with more challenging social economic backgrounds, they have less access to money. They have uh, less contacts that help them to promote, you know, upward mobility. Um, they might not even know or have the cultural know-how necessary to even get ahead, whether it be in schools or, or companies. And so, you know, these are very important factors um, to take into consideration. Um, you know, really money, um, their family income, their level of education, their parents' occupation, those are all different factors that play onto what can be potential disadvantages on individuals getting um, not only into corporate cultures, but succeeding in corporate cultures. Um, and very um, specifically, when I think about these challenges, I think about education. So you have, uh, I, I'm thinking actually about um, an entity that I worked with, I did a program for them, um, and they are one of the largest education groups in Brazil. And uh, one of the um, scenarios that they face is that, I mean, they've got something like 1.5 million students. Um, and one of the biggest challenges that they face is the fact that they have these wonderful programs um, that are uh, and, and courses that are for these um, very uh, people who tend to be in their families, the first person to go to university mm -hmm. uh, within their family households. Um, and the dropout levels are incredibly high for all sorts of different reasons, including financial ones. Um, so this attainment in education is a very sensitive issue and getting to the root of it might not be an easy, um, straightforward question. Then uh, we also need to think about digital poverty. Now, you and me, Alex here, and many of you watching us, you know, you may be just being a natural in the digital world and with technology, but when we look at most people that could um, really uh, help to move the needle in sales and the ones that could be uh, getting into this profession with incredible success, they might not have or be in that situation at all. They might not even have access to that to that um, to that education. And it's not just about digital um, uh, poverty. It's also about digital resilience. Uh, most, you know, there's lots of studies that show that people from lower social economic backgrounds, if anything happens digitally speaking, so they're already not very confident with technology. And then when something happens, they're more likely to drop out and not even pursue or even understand how to how to overcome um, those challenges. 
And of course, there's issues related to money, there's issues related to employment, some of which I actually uh, spoke about earlier in my intervention. And uh, those are all, in my view, um, quite significant challenges that companies have got to find answers for. And I would say government as well. Yeah, I think yeah. I think some of those points are ones we just don't focus on. Um, I think you're right. You know, the ability for people. I have this view. Alex and I chat about it. So does Adam and Tim and, and Rob, etc. We just assume that actually, because we are all fairly savvy on digital, that actually all these people are coming through. Uh, you know, my daughters are coming through with it, and that actually we forget the abuse and we forget actually how because we don't act in that way. We're very human. You know, I act on digital in the same way with you guys as I would if I was actually physically meeting you and my behaviours are within that framework. But actually a huge amount of behaviours now don't respect that humanity. And, and actually, yeah, I, we, I mean, I've not, it's a really interesting way. It's, it's causing me to stumble over it in a way to say that it, we, I don't even think we've considered actually how that impacts resilience and mental well-being. Because people yeah. will say things to other people today that they wouldn't dream of saying to them in a pub or in a social setting. Um, now, now, I want to kind of ask you the, the, the billion dollar question, you know, kind of conscious of we're coming up with eight minutes to go, that is, how does sales create new opportunities for mobility? Is sales TV, you've set out the fact that this is massive untapped potential talent pool, which, you know, sales is as a talent issue right now. People are dropping out at the top end, people are not liking it at the bottom. How does sales create those new opportunities for people? So um, I think I personally like to think of this question uh, in, in, in two ways. One is about creating opportunities. But the, the, the second level up, I think, is one that we must keep um, in the forefront of our minds, which is the fact that when we talk about sales and when we talk about the commercial engine of any organization, we are talking about the tip of the spear. We are talking about the revenue generators. I mean, I, I do think, please, Alex, Andy, help me, right? What else, apart from sales or debt, feeds an organization, right? Mm. That's, that's it. And so we are talking about the people who are driving revenue to an organization. Now, do you want to get good people driving um, this activity or do you just want anyone driving this activity? So th there really is for me two levels to this. I think sales is the great democratizer. Oh my gosh, <laughs> democratizer. Say, say that again, yeah, whoa. <laughs> Democratizer. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Um, but I do. I do think that sales is a great democratizer. I don't think I can say it again. Because, because it is an activity that cuts across every single um, organization, every single type of organization, um, and impacts directly how companies contribute or not to a lesser or bigger extent to the um, economic power of a country. Now, I don't think I'm overreacting when I say this, right? I I'm not overreacting. So who do we want driving this kind of activity? Do we want ethical um, people with recognized 
um, uh, sales abilities and maturity for the job and for the level of job that they're performing? I'd say yes. Yes, we do. Um, but so companies, in my view, they, they can start this process by looking at their diversity, equity and inclusion policies. There's so many different things that they can do. Um, I know that there's companies, for example, that have these empathy workshops where they show their employees what it's like to come from a, a social economic background that's very challenging. And that kind of empathy, when it's instilled in people, it helps to create much more em uh, embracing cultures. You know, the, the spirit that Alex was talking about, um, it's very easy for people who are not feeling like they belong in a certain place to feel ostracized. And so companies can really tap into these DEI policies to really start changing the, the, the or start using the company's culture, which is on one point trying to be client centric, but at the same time, really show and value their employees in the best possible way. So there's all sorts of objectives and policies that they can create to develop these inclusion opportunities that favor um, uh, these individuals coming into sales, which is probably the area within the organization which is employing the most. Not mm -hmm. only because it probably has the highest rotation rates, but it's always demanding more and more and more hands on deck. So it's a really important part of a company's um, uh, strategy to really have a purpose when it comes to their DEI policies, for example, so they can really shape healthy cultures of inclusion and diversity into their sales teams. And then when companies and corporate companies start being serious and doing it in a serious and impactful way, then we start to have a conversation. Yeah, I think governments really need to do more as well. And, uh, uh, you know, whether it's governments or, you know, for, for example, um, you know, my, my wife and I uh, run a, uh, a community called She Loves Social. We're trying to attract women uh, into sales, essentially, and uh, empower them with new digital skills, social selling skills. And the more we kind of dive into that and the more people we talk to, the more we realize that actually, you know, rather than just charge women for this, you know, this skill, then, you know, not, not every, not everybody has the money for it. You know, wouldn't it be good if there was government funding or funds that we could tap into to empower more women to come into, you know, the community, into the academy and learn these skills. But it's really quite difficult to find, you know, whether or not there are these funds available. Um, I guess it's a question that I'll throw out there. I don't know if either of you have the answer, but where does one go to find yeah. out uh, whether or not governments have these funds? Yeah. It's, it's a difficult uh, minefield to, to navigate your way through that, Alex. Um, but I think the reality about um, a lot of things, how do you attract people to that? It's the word sales. Uh, well, I'm hoping in a couple of weeks' time one of the MSC students here will come because she put out a great post and said, I really never considered sales 
until actually Javier, Marcus and I had done the sales and key account management modules in the MSC marketing here. So then we've got a completely different view of it. But there's a link back to Helga, what you were saying, which is everyone understands revenue and they can kind of see that in the bigger picture of a company. But the word sales comes with a great stigma. Yeah. And, and, and it's actually how do we say, actually, you're right, sales is the lifeblood of business because it equals revenue. And if someone's buying from you in ever the omni-channel, you're selling by some function or form. And, and actually then even elevating it up once more to go, this is actually gross domestic product. If you add everybody's revenue up, that's what gross domestic product looks like. Right. And, and people don't look at it. And I think actually to Alex, your point is the government see everything on a retail basis. It's a high street driven economy. Therefore, if shopping is going well, the economy is going well. And it ignores B2B, it ignores kind of B2C in a, in a more traditional setting. So um, Helga, what I want to do is a, a follow up and, and get you on a podcast. But, you know, we're really uh, excited to hopefully have you back on a fairly regular basis to co-host. Um, because you've passed the energy level, you've got it just about right, which is brilliant. Um, unfortunately, we've run out of time, and I know I'm about to get the shepherd's crook. So, Helga, thank you so much for, for all that you do, uh, and, and looking forward to this sales TV and ISP in Cranfield and Novo journey with you. Alex, um, I'll go and ask the guys whether returning the pen's going to get you a pass in future. No. Just had it in the ear, no, from the yeah, entire team. Chris, come on. Um, come on Chris. Chris was very clear about that, um, and so that's really cool. Um, and tune in next week. Uh, we've got John Nicholson, who's the uh, head of sales, marketing, and customer service at Royal Mail. And, and he's going to be able to elaborate on some of these issues, but I know he's going to have some really, really interesting aspects to talk to us about. Thank you for the team, Chris, Rob, Marco, uh, Toby, and everybody here at the studios. Thank you for all tuning in, and see you again next week. Bye all. Bye all. <laughs>